Welcome to Mohobe Nuggets of Wisdom podcast. My name is Mumpulu Kiluruma Mohobe. Our objective is to enthuse, inspire, energize, and empower entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs of all stripes here in BW and beyond. We do so by inviting these entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs into our makeshift studio. Sometimes we call them to the restaurant, sometimes we go uh, to our studio and we ask them to share their experiential knowledge, their experiences and their expertise. And we ask them uh, as many questions as we can aimed at empowering you also as a viewer. Hello dear viewer, dear listener, my name is Mumpulu Kiluruma Mohobe. Welcome to a great episode, another great episode of Mohobe Nuggets of Wisdom uh, podcast. Always an honor, a privilege. Um, it's not something I take for granted, the ability to come and share with you entrepreneurial wisdom. It's always a privilege for me and an honor because I get to learn so much as much as you are learning. I meet these uh, dynamic entrepreneurs from all walks of life, you know, entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs of all stripes and today do I have a great entrepreneur for you. My guest is uh, Tapiwa Anifasi. We're going to talk about issues of uh, literacy um, insofar as they affect entrepreneurship and uh, specifically we're going to talk about foundational um, literacy as a, found, a foundational human right. Have you ever thought of literacy as a human right? Um, that's what our guest is going to talk about. Uh, Mr. Anifasi, welcome to the studio. Uh, good morning, sir. And mm -hmm. it truly is a pleasure for mm. me to be here that finally a fan mm -hmm. <laughs> can actually be seated next to you and be able to share my own thoughts and experiences. So it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Let's talk first about your background. Tell the viewer what, uh, what you do professionally and what, you've, uh, what you're involved in. Well, for me, I am into the education space and uh, in particular dealing with literacy. That's with an NGO named Spelling Bee Botswana, where I serve, I wear multiple hats in the organization itself. When you're in a nonprofit, you always have to be switching here and there, but mostly I do public relations as well as program development in the organization. Mm -hmm. And I have been able to study in the course of my educational capacity to do international business. I have an honors international business degree as well as an events management business degree. And that led me now along the path of education as we were doing so many things. Mm. And then now I'm actually pursuing my master's in early childhood development. Okay. And in working with Spelling Bee, we've been since 2012. And I have been able to experience, you know, literacy at the foundational level, especially with school kids from primary school all the way to senior school. And that made me fall in love with issues around literacy. Mm -hmm. I also uh, am the current local chapter president for Junior Chamber International, that's the Gaborone chapter, and it's a privilege for me to be part of volunteerism. It's something that's been a part of my life, so I'm always excited about that. That's how you and I bumped into each other through Junior Chamber. Yes. I'm a patron, as you know, yes. um, and it's, some, it's an organization that I'm very proud of, but the viewer has no clue as to what organization this is. Mm. Can you take a bit of time to share where uh, the you know the main objectives of the organization definitely junior chamber international is truly about development we look at how we can help young people between the ages of 18 and 40 and this is to ensure that you are a holistic citizen we want to build active citizens in our society people who are solution oriented who see a problem and say we are going to do something about this 
and through Junior Chamber International, we help you through developmental opportunities that exist for you to be able to become that sort of active citizen that we can look at and say, we are grateful to have such an individual in our country. And that is what we do through Junior Chamber International. So it's a reputable international organization. We have chapters that are here in Botswana itself. And here in Khabarone, we have a very vibrant chapter that is pushing to ensure that we truly look at our community, especially now in an era of a pandemic that has really caused so many various challenges that many are struggling with we should be able to provide solutions. We're going to talk about um, literacy as a foundational human right. Can you please help the viewer understand the subject? Why should we even think about literacy as a human right? Oh, most definitely, most mm. definitely. I think it's always weird when people hear that, that foundational human right literacy, because we always think of human rights as access to water, health, all of those things. But mm. literacy in itself is a foundational human right. And it's not only coming from my mouth. These are echoes coming from UNESCO itself to say, no, no, no. We are now in a time frame where the concept of reading and writing should not be a privilege in terms of only a few people are able to, to read and write. Everybody should be able to read and write. However, what makes that interesting is that's a traditional definition of literacy. We were referring to reading and writing. Mm -hmm. When we now talk about literacy in accordance with the 21st century, it means that there are contextual framings that are happening culturally, socially, economically, politically, mm. that have to make us then look at literacy and say, but what is expected of me as an individual? So it means we expect you to be able to read, to write, to listen, to speak. All of this means you're able to synthesize, to analyze, and to critique information. So that is now the scope of what literacy truly is. Most of our viewers are entrepreneurs, oh, yes. aspiring and accomplished. Why should they even care about that? <laughs> I think it, it, it would be almost foolhardy to be an entrepreneur who doesn't understand these valuable aspects of synthesizing information. What do we mean by synthesizing information? Now, as an entrepreneur, you are exposed to a lot of information and sources of information. So you should have the capacity to grab different sources of information and when you bring this information together, you synthesize it. Once you synthesize it, you're now able to analyze this information. As an entrepreneur, you should be able to realize that this information is not for me. Mm. This is for me. This one is not for me. And so that becomes important. And the critiquing of it is also to say, even the information I'm saying is for me. Is it actually good enough for me? Mm. And this becomes very important. I remember I was telling a colleague that this is the reason why the epistemology of, of Africa, our literature, our books, our films, we struggle with it because we, we usually take anything that comes either from the West or from the East and say, this is right, and we must just adopt it. It's a big word, mm. epistemology. Uh, yes, which, uh, which, which literally relates to our, our way of thinking, our, our way of doing things, our writing, and how we put all of this together in material that can be used to teach us going forward. I suppose when we go deeper into the subject, we'll understand more. Oh, Literacy is a food of the soul. Mm. It's, it's, it feeds the soul. Mm. Perhaps we can um, take a bit of time to unpack that. Definitely. Mm. Well, what I love about that is that when you have now begun to realize literacy beyond reading and, write, reading and writing, you begin to realize it's about you understanding things. You appreciating that, oh, Mr. Mokobe has a different perspective on a particular subject from me. 
And if I am feeling as if this perspective that I have is not energizing me, maybe Mr. Mkhobe's perspective gives me the energy that I need. So I feed my soul, especially as an entrepreneur, by being able to appreciate, to identify, and to understand the different perspectives that exist. So I do not lose hope. Mm. In my soul, when one perspective has been crushed, mm. I begin to realize that there are other perspectives that can stand the test of time. So that exposure to the differences of information becomes even more critical. And that's why these this skills, these strong literacy skills become extremely, extremely important. Can you tie that with your organization, Spelling oh, yes. Bee? Mm. What is behind Spelling Bee and how does it address this particular issue of feeding the soul? All right, fantastic. I wish I wish I had two days to be able to really go and dive into this because it takes us now into the challenges mm. that we're facing as a as a nation, especially in the 21st century. One of those particular challenges is the disparities, the literacy disparities that are caused, of course, by socioeconomic statuses of different families and people. And what that effectively means is that we've got children who are in schools who are not able to be exposed to the same level of literacy that their peers are exposed to. So we have got less advantaged peers together with more advantaged peers in an environment where studies have shown that, for example, by the age of three, it's very possible that one child could have a very strong vocabulary in comparison to another one. And so as Spelling Bee, we move around schools in, in the country from primary all the way to senior school, teaching them spelling because the foundation of literacy has got to start with spelling. Anything that you're going to be able to read or write, you must be able to spell. And so we, we through a spelling bee competition, we drive literacy forward. So we want there to be a clear appreciation of words. I, I always love to say that if you're not friends with words, you become enemies with words. And once you're enemies with, with words, you're enemies with information. Mm -hmm. And so we want young children, especially at a foundational level, to become friends with words early. Mm -hmm. We don't want it to be coming later because it's difficult, Mr. Mokobe, to come to someone who is now 40 years old, 50 years old, and trying to take them through literacy. Life has dealt them too many cards yeah. and they're trying to play the deck. But at a young foundational level like that from primary school, we're able to help them set the right foundations. And so we're able to sort of like cover this, this literacy disparities that exist. A very important thing, uh, Mr. Mkobe, about that is that if we were to talk about our nation's upward mobility, we've got to be able to speak about the literacy disparities. And if we are not doing anything to improve literacy at a young level, it means that your, 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 your children or your children's children, that generational mobility, intergenerational mobility, it will not happen. Why? Because they are still struggling with literacy in the same way you did 20 years ago. But we can do something about it today. I watched a movie, um, a Hollywood movie starring uh, one of my favorite actors, Lawrence Fishburne, called Spelling Bee. Akila and the Bee. Yeah. Yes. Is there a connection? It's called Akila and, and the Bee. And the Bee. Yes. Yes. I was riveted watching that movie. Um, but is there a connection uh, in terms of what that movie is about? Uh, maybe some of the viewers have seen it. Mm -hmm. oh, almost definitely. It is actually the inspiration behind Spelling Bee Botswana. Mm -hmm. what, what, what happened is that our president, uh, she, she actually watched the movie and was still in senior school. And she believed that maybe this could help us in senior school to improve our performance. And she started it as a club in school. And then after that, you Who's know, that brought us together, uh, Mr. Pang Tibedi. Yeah, it's a Pang Tibedi. Mm, okay. Yes. Mm. And then she, she brought a team together 
and started knocking at different doors to get this project moving. And we, we were able to actually get support from the Minister of Education back then, which is now the Minister of Basic Education. Mm -hmm. And they told us to take it to the Northwest first, which is what we did. We took it to the Northwest first with 12 schools and we started the competition. We saw some amazing results there. And now, eight years later, we are talking about spelling bee in all 10 regions of the country with over 220 schools participating, both public and private. We're talking about being co-founders of the African Spelling Bee competition with other nations and we pioneered the first ever African spelling bee competition for students living with hearing and visual impairments mm. and uh, in the coming week we're going to be launching a book on spelling okay. so we're truly excited about what Akila and the bee has inspired us to do and okay. that's the connection between the and in terms of uh, across Africa involvement um, these competitions, can you tell us about them? Oh yes, most definitely. Mm. Uh, we, we came together with like minds about five, six years ago and we said, look, let's, let's come together, let's bring this uh, competition together, let's give our children an opportunity to be able to see themselves with their peers. Now, our objective was not only for the competition's sake, but it was for the sake of exposing young students to say, look, it's not just through athletics or other means that you are able to represent your country. Uh, this is a testimony of one of our students who, for the, it was their first time ever getting a passport, their first time ever getting on an aeroplane, and we took them to Uganda for the African Spelling Bee competitions. They were so excited, and they, they were crying, saying, I never thought I would ever represent my country mm. in anything. Mm. And so that badge of honor to represent your country was also... Uh, what they did is uh, we they select the top 10 in Africa mm. to be able to represent Africa at the World Championships. Mm -hmm. And two of our students made it into the top 10 of Africa. Wow. And so if it wasn't for the pandemic last year, mm -hmm. they were supposed to be in Washington, D.C., representing Africa and mm -hmm. wearing carrying the flag of Africa. So this is what we do at, an inter, at, at a continental level. We, c we come together, we bring the, the, the children together. We actually even make them interact with each other. They stay, you, you don't stay with a country mate. You stay with somebody from a different country. Mm. So at the end of the week, you should be knowing so much more about a different country. So it exposes, this is what literacy does. It exposes you to the world. Mm. Your ability to read, to write is now, we're physically showing it, it's possible. To yeah. go to the next that level. takes us to our next point, which is empowerment. Oh yes, you said empowerment. Uh, we, you know, in the prep, we talked about how empowerment is a basis for. You know, no. Let me rephrase that. Yes. Literacy mm -hmm. as a source of empowerment. Yes. Can you please uh, go deeper into that? Oh, most definitely. Mm -hmm. Now, as I stated earlier on briefly, that there are now challenges that we're facing in the 21st century. There's demands, mm -hmm. economic demands now in the 21st century that we have to deal with. Mm -hmm. And as I've given you that, that, that foundation to say, okay, we should be able to synthesize information, analyze and critique information. So which means that as an entrepreneur, you want to be empowered. You need to be able to have information, have access to the information, synthesize that information. Now, here we are in a situation where we have the finance minister comes out and he speaks about the budget. Now that's a source of information that has come to you. Now, if we are not able to synthesize this information, analyze it, and critique, critique it, you wouldn't be able to understand what is taxation? What does that mean that there's a sugar tax or this? What does it mean for you as a person? How am I empowered by a policy that has been put in place? Now, if you are not in a space where literacy is really the foundation of who you are or you have those literacy skills, 
then you think it's a waste of time and what do you do you switch off the television as the minister is presenting the financial plan for the year mm. and so how will you be empowered by a policy you cannot synthesize by a policy you cannot analyze and a policy you cannot critique and so in fact you avoid all the conversations avoid all the about conversation. the budget speech you exactly. have no interest and so you run away yeah. so there are many young people young entrepreneurs who right now at this point don't even know what is going on in terms of economic policies that empower them to that capacity or there are those who have access to that information but they don't understand the various perspectives then that they should be able to synthesize and analyze what works for them so if you're in agriculture you need to know what works for you in agriculture and not cry about what's working in ICT so that you can be able to to, to use what can work so for what you. practically should entrepreneurs do what can they do to empower themselves Right. Now, this is where now we, we talk about my work is at a foundational level mm -hmm. where I strongly believe that this is where we should have started from mm -hmm. years back. The reason why I go back to that foundational level is Primary because school, secondary school. at ECD level, mm -hmm. at literally early childhood level, mm -hmm. uh, at, kindergarten. at kindergarten level, that's what I'm talking about from zero to eight years old. Mm -hmm. That is a very critical age. Let me just give you an example so that you can understand how as we answer that question, mm -hmm. that what then should we do? You've got two types, two children here. Mm. One, Mr. Mkobe is exposed to YouTube, to YouTube, mm. access to the internet, and the other one is not. So which means that automatically, the ability to be able to read history because they are watching DSTV's history channel becomes easier for them. Because at a young age, they're already discussing, oh, I know what a world war is. And another child doesn't know what a world war is mm. because of that exposure. Another one understands YouTube, how to use technology. Mm. So now as they grow like that without any interventions happening at that stage, you're not going to have a university student who is afraid of searching on the internet. It's complex. It's complicated. You're now having a student in, in secondary school who can't read science, who can't mm. read history because it started at that age. Mm. So which means now we have to work about how do we help our young entrepreneurs get access to more information. Also, how do we teach them to synthesize, analyze, and critique the information that is coming their way. And we can only do that if we have things like community libraries, especially e-libraries, and uh, we have access to What's an e-library? How, do, how does it look like? What an e-library looks like is computers with connections to the internet, mm -hmm. affordable connection to the internet, where we are saying in as much as, yes, there is internet penetration within Africa, but is there access to that use of internet by many young people? And so if data prices are expensive, for example, that means access is limited. Mm. So which means the access to information you can synthesize becomes also very limited. Then you start working by hearsay in the streets. Mm. And so someone will tell you, no, don't go and knock on that door. They will say no. But yet there is a hundred podcasts online telling you that they knocked at that same door and they got a positive answer. Mm. And so this is where now we have to put a lot of emphasis in providing opportunities to access information. Do we actually have e-libraries in existence already in Botswana? I think if we were to look at them in comparison to the West, it's not the same structure, but we do have e-libraries in schools. Mm -hmm. We do have uh, community libraries where, yes, there are some computers, but we could do better, mm -hmm. most definitely. We have a library here in Gabroni that has access to the internet, which you can use. You can come in and plug in your computer, which then brings in another unintended consequence of access to internet, which is the purchasing of the technologies the to use that now. Mm -hmm. Not only the data, but the computers themselves, mm -hmm. the personal computers mm -hmm. that I can be able to use to access that particular okay. information. Let's talk about literacy rates. Um, and you say that it's important to to target literacy rates mm -hmm. in terms of bringing them up. How are we doing in Botswana? What is your assessment? 
in in Botswana, what what I've been able to do as I'm pursuing my master's course is be invited to so many schools where I've been able to run tests, particular tests on what we call phonological awareness. This is word sounds. You know, phonological. phonological awareness because mm. the more aware I'm learning big words from you <laughs> <laughs> the more you are aware about word sounds the easier it is for you to bring sounds together and be able to understand words so i run those sort of tests uh, reading word reading fluency uh, all of those sort of tests letter recognition just simple letter recognition that do you know what a j looks like what a t looks like mm. so you'd find that in the schools i think i've been able to carry out tests in over 35 schools across the country and I've, I've been able to see what, what's actually fundamentally interesting here Mr. Okobe, is that the greatest challenges I've seen is in the urban areas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's actually It's ironical. It's so, so ironic. are you saying mm-hmm. literacy rates are lower in urban areas? It definitely, in, in urban areas. On in, average. Uh, on average. And we've actually even seen it in our competition itself where our winners are coming from the northwest in, in, in villages, students coming from villages and they are competing against the ones in the urban areas and the ones in the urban areas are, are, are struggling with spellings of words such as anchor mm. and you are hearing strange things for spellings that you'd expect them in the urban areas mm. who you expect to have access to more information and more resources are struggling with that but we cannot say we're not doing well i think the social welfare policy has allowed for so many students to have access to to education to what we call the teaching literacy practice and it, it gets us into another conversation when we get there. So we are doing Because well. I don't know what that means. <laughs> well, what we mean is that there are practices to literacy. Mm-hmm. One is teaching. The other is learning. The other is use. Now, to make us understand this thing, we have a child. You've taken your, your child to school. The teacher has to be able to teach the literacy practices. The learner has to be able to learn and then use them. So now we have a situation where there's a child and we say something is wrong with this child. This child can't read, this child can't write, and something is wrong. So we now say it's the child, it's the child, it's the child. But yet we are forgetting that the child is coming from a different cultural background where the teaching instruction from home is different from what you are now doing in a formal setting in the classroom. So the child is struggling with the teaching practice, not with the learning practice. Mm-hmm. So when they go home, they're able to learn from their parents, learn from their peers. But when they come to the teacher Wait, now, Where is that subtle difference? Teaching versus learning. Teaching practice. versus, yes. Teach, teaching is more on the, on the, uh, on the output end, mm-hmm. where the teacher is bringing to the table. The learning is more about input yeah, where the yeah. child is taking it. Mm-hmm. So now if the teaching practice is wrong and it's not okay, or if the teacher themselves don't have strong literacy skills mm-hmm. to be able to analyze the information they're getting that this child is struggling with reading, mm-hmm. but that one is strong in reading. What is happening? How can I synthesize, analyze this information mm-hmm. so I can do good by this particular child? Mm-hmm. Then we have a serious problem. Okay. Yes. Right. Let's talk solutions. I mean, in terms of Botswana, do we have numbers in terms of literacy rates? Mm-hmm. And are there strategies in place for raising those literacy rates? Yes. Uh, let, let, let me start with, with saying that uh, our, our literacy rates, we are very privileged because of social um, welfare programs. That have, that have really pushed our literacy rates from 30 years ago to this point where you're looking at 30 years ago, you're looking at below 30% literacy rates mm. to the point where now we are seated and we are saying Botswana is well above 70% in terms of literacy rates. And literacy in the traditional perspective, as I am saying, to say reading and writing, mm. that's where we are. But now in terms of strong skills, 
this is where w the studies still have to be carried out but obviously from the sentiments and the perspectives that are coming out from industry that's complaining about graduates that they are not ready for the industry and so forth it shows us that the comprehensive array of literacy skills we need to work on that that is very very crucial strategies have been put in place in terms of uh, the programs the reading programs and unfortunately it is not as varied as we think because the private schools are doing as much as possible uh, to use different learning models that we talk about the Montessori schools you know where they we've got things like project-based learning that happens mm -hmm. in other different private schools so we have a mixture I think we have a few of those in Botswana yes we do what is so exceptional about these Montessori schools yes what is the distinguishing factor about them? Okay. Well, what is distinguishing about them is that they are a model that are designed more on, they are more student-centric than teacher-centric. Meaning that it's the child that determines the rate of learning. And so what you do is that, for example, I can bring uh, an assortment of toys in front of a child, and how we plan for the child's learning and development is based on the child's interest, what the child is picking, what the child is interested in, and we direct our teaching along the lines of the child's particular interests. So it's, it's really a, a model that is centered on the child's interest. And so the energy, the zeal, is from the child and not from the teacher. Mm -hmm. And so the teacher plays along with that. And so when you have a situation like that, anytime any person is interested in something, you don't have to work out to motivate them mm. to do that particular thing. And so that's the unique thing about our Montessori schools. Okay. Yes. Um, sparks of life are spelt out. <laughs> That seems to be self-explanatory, but I, I'd really love for you to, to dig deeper into that. Sparks of life are spelled out. Definitely. Mm. So there's a rule that we have in the spelling bee competition where we say you are not allowed to spell a word saying double M, double T, double T. So for a word like committee, you can't come and say C O double M. Why? Because every letter deserves the respect it mm. is supposed to have. Then you say double T and mm. then double E, e at the end. And then, but you're supposed to say M, M, T, T, E, E. What that then effectively teaches you is that everything must be spelled out. It must be detailed. Mm. There's a detail to everything. And when you are able to spell out things, there's a spark that comes because you've got an understanding of every single detail and that is a wonderful thing to have in life, to be able to understand. And this is why when you say the sparks of life are spelled out, you start spelling it out. And that's why it's a spark because it's a, it's a singular spark. That is such a refreshing thing mm. to say because some of us mm. tend to talk very slowly, mm. trying to pronounce every word. Mm -hmm. But in these days we live in, people mm -hmm. want to talk fast exactly. with an accent <laughs> sort of rambling on. So it's so refreshing to, s to hear you say, mm -hmm. look, you, your emphasis in terms of our approach as spelling bee mm -hmm. is to pronounce mm -hmm. every single letter exactly. and give it importance. Mm -hmm. But still, uh, you need to explain why you say sparks of life. How does life spark in when you spell exactly. individual words? Mm -hmm. So now the foundation of words is the letter. You, ca you, you cannot form words without the letters. The same thing in our lives. There are certain things you need in your life, whatever you vocation decide to get into, whatever you decide to do in life. There are certain elements, singular elements, that, that you have to take you know, acknowledgement of in that life. And these elements are what make your life what it is. And so they should be like sparks. And you have to spell them out. And so it, it's almost as if you've developed the habit of spelling things out when you learn to give singular letters the respect they deserve. So you begin to understand that, oh, for me to get, for example, to become a good lawyer, I have to start with doing well in my academics. 
we, but what, what is my academics? It's divided into years of study, divided into modules, divided into assignments, into tests, divided into study hours. So you start spelling out these sparks and you start seeing the energy and your life moving in a particular direction. That's what we're referring to when we say the sparks of life. Mm. For entrepreneurs, there are stages to entrepreneurship. You do not wake up and suddenly you are at the top of the game. You start off with knocking on a door to make a sale. Um, actually, way before that, making the plan for the business itself. Mm -hmm. You know, seeking out the resources, knocking at the doors, getting the clients, servicing the clients, getting a team together, employing the right people, budgeting, knowing how to use your money, dealing with disappointments and challenges, and then you keep growing and moving forward. So those are the sparks. I wonder whether, in your experience, you are able to give instances and examples of children or kids who you actually transformed through this spelling bee process are you able to give uh, specifics even if you don't mention names okay, yes definitely. instances yeah definitely so one of the things that we're so grateful for is that our, our students when they come into spelling bee it's not just about the competition you also learn a lot of things especially the reason why it's oral competition is it's for you to gain confidence to speak in front of people so we deliberately have our competitions in front of an audience of your peers and others so that you can have the confidence to stand and say something you know in front stand of people and so deliver and deliver so they gain a lot of confidence so we had uh, uh, one student from the northwest mm. this student was a bully in the school and they didn't really want to do much except they were bullying people and so they joined the spelling bee as ah, i'm just joining finding out what this is and when they joined they, they started participating, they got excited about the competition, started participating extensively. They did very well in the competition, they, they didn't really necessarily win, but that same student went back and became a, an ambassador of Spelling Bee in the school, recruiting others, and eventually became a prefect because they became so responsible just from joining Spelling Bee. That's an example mm, of, of mm. one of them. Then we have others who... Obviously stop bullying. Yeah, he stopped <laughs> bullying. I mean, for you to then become a prefect, mm. to be considered for that, he had ultimately changed mm. his behavior. And this also stems from when we're having the competitions, let's say, because we usually host them in different regions every year because we want our children to experience their own country. Mm. So we'd have our national competitions in a different region every year. That's what we do. So when they go there, they get to be able to interact with others. And so we, we take so much insistence on your uniform discipline, how you talk to others, how you dress. And so there's discipline that's instilled in the competition and they grow from that. Now for many others, now it's academic performance where the majority, I think 95% of all our students have been top achievers. 95% of those who have been participating have been mm. top achievers. You know, uh, from Hansi, you know, senior secondary, we've, got, we've had very beautiful top achievers year in year, our national champion. We had a young man who had been dominating the competition and he had become a top achiever since then. And I think I would also take special mention for parents who have benefited mm -hmm. from Spelling Bee. We had a child here in, in Khabaroni at a school. They won the competition at their category in primary school and their school gave them a scholarship. Wow. And the parents didn't have to pay fees. Uh, for that particular year because the child did so extremely well mm. in spelling bee. And these are some of the things that we see, not just yeah. changes for the student, but for the family. So it means that you're well. in partnership with what, with international organizations? Yes, we, we partner with various organizations, local organizations. First, we have a lot of local organizations that have been supporting our work. Which offer scholarships? Uh, 
No, no, that, that's the school itself. It wasn't oh, another organization. Oh, it was okay. the school that decided that because of the child has put us on the map, mm-hmm. then the parents don't have to pay fees. So it wasn't like an international organization. But at the international competition, like the continental competition, we have a scholarship from Monash mm-hmm. University where the winners get to be able to attend Monash University. Okay. And so that's one of the... the, the yeah, this one is a big one. Yes. Literacy is freedom. Oof. People never think in those terms, mm. but I'm sure you're about to educate us. <laughs> Literacy <laughs> is freedom. freedom. Yes. yes. Yeah. Let, me, let me put it this way. Mm. When you do not have access to information, it means that you are put in a particular box. Someone can hold you down because you don't have access to information. And also, still, you can have access to information. But the failure to be able to synthesize this information means that you can be locked in. The failure to be able to analyze information means that you can be trapped within a box. But now when you're able to do that, Mr. Nkobe, you're able to realize that in as much as the economic performance in our country is difficult, but if I am able to understand what Mr. Mokobe shared two years ago, about how to you know work around difficult situations and challenges and difficult markets then i can be able to become free as an entrepreneur to try new things technology has come but if you don't understand how technology can be used in this era where face-to-face contact has been reduced significantly then that means that you are not going to be free to sell your products to market yourself to ensure that your name is known so literacy puts you in a position now where you are free to engage, where you are free to think, where you are free to perform. And that's the use part now mm-hmm. of literacy, where you are now free to use that information that mm-hmm. you have acquired, analyzed, and critiqued. Mm. And then you can actually succeed and do well. That's good. There used to be a slanderous statement that was said in the old days. I wonder provoke you a little bit to comment on it that if you want to hide something from a black man <laughs> you put it in a book as a man who's steeped in literacy is there any basis for this slanderous uh, if you call it maybe you can call it just a, a, an old a colonial an adage, statement yes. yeah, uh, l- l- let me say that there was a basis to it then when we were still being denied access to the best educational facilities and educational programs. That, that's literally, I mean, many young people don't know about that. Mm. But our fathers would tell us how there was segregation of which schools you could go to, I mean, the extent of what you could learn. All of these things happened mm. in the past. Mm. And so that meant that they would hide things in books that we would never have access to. But now, as information has become more open to us, we're beginning to realize that it's not only the black man. It's everyone, if you hide anything, because people are not reading anymore. Hence, the synthesizing of information. People are just, they hear it, hearsay. This is what makes certain social media platforms very, very wild with activity, because they just take what someone has posted in 100 and maybe 100 characters and say, ah, it's the truth. That's how it is. But then they don't go out to search out, okay, what journals exist? What books exist? What podcasts are there about this particular sort of information that I can synthesize and, and assess the credibility of this information? So it's everyone because we are hearing strange things mm. coming from those we thought were supposed to be <laughs> smarter than us, the black people. We are hearing the strangest of things mm. and we are questioning the credibility of most of them. And that's mm. the beauty about science. Like literacy is a science. You know, the ability to question what has been put before you. Mm. You exist in the confines of literacy. Before mm. you answer this one, yes. I had a very beautiful experience mm-hmm. recently around the inauguration of Joe Biden. Okay. Yeah. There was a young lady by the name of Amanda Gorman yes. who delivered a poem oh. called The Hill 
we, you'd climb. That's mm -hmm. a six-minute poem, mm -hmm. or less than six minutes. And that poem, she just says a few beautiful words. And uh, when I, I watched that poem and I read that poem, there's something remarkably uplifting, something so inspirational, so powerful that moved me. And when you're talking about literacy and the power of words, and I'm just thinking to myself, how does this situation apply to what you're talking about? Did you have a similar experience? Yes, yes. I think I, I, a lot of people watched that inauguration. Well, I'm hoping a lot of people did. Mm. And she really, she really delivered um, articulately that, that poem. And it becomes important to realize that we are, we are, we are literally inspired by words. We are, we are moved by words. It's everything we do is from young children. Don't do that. Do that. Mm. You mm. can be. You can do. And those words impact on us. Mm. And if someone calls you a fool, someone calls you stupid, it impacts on you. Someone says you are able, it impacts on you. So automatically, that means now when we come to that statement of you are the literacy, you are in the confines, you exist within the confines of literacy, it's identity. Mm -hmm. Who are you? Do you know who you are? based on the information that has come to you. So if the information that has come to you is limited, it means that that is going to be the scope of your identity. So you are seated there, you've registered your business, you've started your business, and you don't know you're an entrepreneur. You're, you say you're just a trader. Big difference. Big difference. Mm. But now that matters because it's the information that has come to you. And have you been able to synthesize that information to the point now that you realize, but wait a minute, I am an entrepreneur. I, I'm able to, to knock on doors, get rejections, re go and re have new iterations of my product or service and come back, knock, get a yes here and there, continue growing. I've now employed people. It's, it's, it's all about that literacy, that, that being exposed to that information, being able now to analyze it and realize that, oh, I've now added one element to what makes an entrepreneur. I've added another element in the past six months. I've added another element. So I'm a, I'm a budding entrepreneur as it is. And that's where now they're existing within the confines of literacy. What you do not know holds you back and defines you. What you know, what you've been able to synthesize and use now effectively, then you've changed your identity. Mm -hmm. This is why we, we, we take children and say, you can become a doctor. How do you become the doctor? By being exposed to information. And then you're able to now use that information. Now we call you doctor. Mm -hmm. All right. No, that you explained that very well. No gift ever trumps literacy yes. no gift I, I think here you are talking about the impression that you know somehow children who are from wealthier families have an advantage mm -hmm. what you are basically saying is that no 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 the real advantage is literacy because mm -hmm. there's no use if you inherit all that wealth and you don't have the the brains to apply it. You're not literate enough to apply it. It's meaningless. Exactly. You've literally put it so well, mm. you know, to say that, yes, you've been... And we've seen examples of that. Mm. Many children who've been left with great wealth, mm. great opportunities, great resources. And then in the space of a year, we are now shocked. What happened here? Mm. I mean, this thing took 30 years to build, and in a year, mm. everything is gone. And it's, it's literacy. Mm. It's that ability to analyze and critique. What have I been given? What made it work? What got it to where it is? How can I take it to the next level? That is the real advantage. Which means that for who are those who are termed the less advantaged children, you might not have internet at home. We'll give you the example of you are at the kettle post. There's something about animals that you can still learn, that you can be taught. So you can synthesize information about animals, how they drink, 
how how they they behave in certain weather patterns how they are when they are not well how they and that ability can actually take you to become an animal scientist why because you had literacy at that level in the cattle post mm. so there's a narrative that has been depicted that because you have access to certain resources automatically you have the necessary strong literacy skills to mm. take advantage of it when that is actually not the case which like i said Elon has been exemplified in our well be competition mm. that you have children in areas where you're saying no these are the less advantaged areas performing better than those in the so-called advantaged areas still on this point maybe you can help me understand this mm-hmm. We have audio book books these days, but I find that audio books are not half as impactful as mm-hmm. literal books. Mm-hmm. I can pick up something from an audio book and then take that book and read it mm-hmm. cover to cover. The impact is different. Mm-hmm. Is there anything behind that? Oh yes, definitely there is. It's 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 what we call uh, active connection. Mm-hmm. You know what what we call the literacy interactions. How we interact with literacy, you know, information and conduits of literacy. Mm-hmm. What we mean is that where do you get information from, the radio or physically? Now, with us as human beings, we are very physical beings. And so when I touch a book, I feel like I'm interacting more with it than I am when I'm hearing a voice. Because now there are certain other elements. Do I like that voice? That, that I'm hearing, you know? Do I like the accent of that voice? And also, what language is being used in that audiobook? Is it my first language? Is it my second language? Do, do I like that language? Mm. Or, or I have complications with that language mm. already. Remember the cultural backgrounds we're talking about? Mm. So if my first language is Setswana, and then now I'm having an audiobook that is in English, yet all my audio conversations are mostly in Setswana. I'm not going to be comfortable with the English audiobook. Mm. Why? Because my cultural habit has been audio in Setswana. Mm. I'm used to that. And yet when I read a book, mm-hmm. which is still in English, mm-hmm. somehow it appeals to me better. Now, the physical interaction now supersedes the audio. This is why you can sit in the same room with a loved one, not even have to speak and just hold hands and volumes have been spoken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now you've answered it well. You've explained it nicely. Um, the book is not as vital as the love of reading. I think it's, it's, it's you've spoken to that, but I think you can elaborate yes. a bit more. Now, this stems from you know our journeys traveling around the country and seeing libraries mm-hmm. with books that are in pristine condition. Pristine, meaning that the pages have not been flipped, mm. but the books are there. So what does it help <laughs> to have books in pristine condition? But they've not been opened. So there must be a love. You're happier with books that are in a bit of a rough <laughs> yes, condition. Yes, that, because that shows use mm. now. It shows that someone came and actively was searching for information. And so therefore the expectation is that they got information, mm. they are going to analyze it, critique it. And we expect and that if they've read the book, then maybe they've seen shortcomings in the book. Then they're able to write now a book to augment what has been missing in this one. Mm. But if the books are in pristine condition, and so we keep on buying the books, buying the books, buying the books, we put them on our shelf, they look amazing on shelves. Books really look amazing. They give a nice aesthetic, especially even in the home. But if you are not opening, if you don't have the love to actually engage with them, then it defeats the whole purpose. Do you find that this, there's such a problem oh, in, oh. In, the, in the books that... In the schools that you've been visiting? Oh, yes, yes. When you ask the librarians, they'll tell you that the rate of borrowing of books mm. is quite low in comparison to the population of students that are there. You go to university itself, there are some students who finished university, never enter the library. 
They take everything from the internet. They take what? everything from the internet, and that's where copy and paste comes from, mm -hmm. from a failure to synthesize the sources, meaning to understand that there's a journal that can give me information, there's a book that can give me information, and not only a, a book in my field. I'm sure in law you'd be able to attest, sir, that it's not you don't only read law books. Mm. Sometimes you have to delve into biology to understand what is, what is happening here, mm. and then you synthesize that information. Um, and how is your organization really helping in that? in that regard, changing that mindset? What, what we do as part of, of the competition is that we, in the schools, there are, there are spelling bee competitions they have in a class. And so what we do is we select a book, for example, this year, and we say, we are reading things fall apart, for example. Then we say, Chinua Achebe's things fall apart. Then we say that the words for the competition are going to come from, from the book itself. So now the students are going around reading things fall apart. Or we liaise with the teachers and find out what are the set books that are important for you this academic year. Mm. And then they, excuse me, they tell us. And we use those set books as part of the year's competition. And so the students are going around reading the book, reading the book, reading the book. And also we, we partner as well with, with local authors such as uh, Said Mdala, who gives us books that we give to our students and then they read as well and it empowers them. So they can be, there is no point in being able to spell words that you can then cannot see them used in context. So we want you to get the foundation right, spell, then from there, learn to write to use them. Teachers are always telling us that, wow, their students have improved in their composition writing. They are no more writing W-Y for Y. They are now writing in full. And it's nice as a teacher to mark you know, a script that's written in full. Mm. And this is important because many of our students are really brilliant, Mr. Mpavi. But now they've been learned to write shorthand, especially now even era. They write in shorthand. They write like it, they're sending exactly. text, even, text messages. Exactly. Even in the final examination. Now, unfortunately, it's not your teacher who's marking your script, who knows you. Mm. It's someone else, maybe from a different region, and they do not appreciate that butchery of the English language. And I mentioned mm. earlier Amanda Gorman. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you guys are doing to try and promote poetry? Oh, yes. Uh, we actually have a program that involves not just poetry, but, but writing. Uh, we have a partner called Baton Books, a young entrepreneur who's a publishing Baton? company. Baton Books, mm -hmm. their publishing company. And what we do is that we run writing competitions. So what we want is the children to write scripts, want them to write poetry, and our hope is that we'll be able to publish these texts as the works of students. We want them to come out after seven, 12 years of school that I have contributed to literally works in the country. Because no one says that you, you must only be so-and-so for you to contribute to the literary texts in the country. So that's exactly what we're doing, and we're working together with them, developing that sort of course and that, that, that program. Yeah. As I said, our audience are entrepreneurs. How do you believe the entrepreneurial community can be part of this effort? How can they help? How can they contribute? Um, another experience that we have, Mr. Mkwebe, is when we go and we meet people, we challenge them to spell a word. <laughs> That's what we do. It doesn't matter where we go, whatever office we go to, we challenge them to spell a word. Mm. And we give them the everyday words, the committee, reservoir, the ones that we use every day, mm. not the big ones that we see in the movie. The reservoir is big. We give them those everyday words because that's the, that's the language we use every day. We expect you to know accommodation. And it has been amazing how the failure to spell accommodation is immense from the highest of offices mm. <laughs> to the lowest of offices. And we are saying that don't underestimate that. I do not know if you've traveled and seen on signs where there's the wrong spelling 
of yeah, a world it. and they're like whoo yeah, this is this is shocking. Good, yeah. I mean, this is supposed to be a reputable business. Accommodation is one way that exactly, is and, <laughs> and the spelling is wrong. Mm. And some people they take that as a lack of seriousness about your business. Mm. And we we try to say to local businesses, no, when you come together with us, yes, we are working with the young children, but your involvement in there makes you actually realize mm. what you have been missing because many skip these foundational stages and process, and they wish they could have gone mm. through those steps. And so the community must actively make sure they work around spelling. So it's even an exciting exercise to have at the workplace, you know, to have spelling bee competitions in the workplace. It excites, motivates people, and it's fun, you know, to do such things. Okay. Um, now, it's a life of literacy. It's a life of literacy advantages. What do you mean by that? Now, I'm sure we've given a very good background mm. to what literacy is. Mm. And we've spoken about the 21st century demands mm. from socio-economic and cultural perspectives. Now, we, we must never be ignorant to the fact that as a nation, we are competing against other nations for limited resources. And it means that we are trying to get a particular spot that can push us to have an economic advantage. So that which we call comparative advantages now, literacy grants us the opportunity to have the comparative advantages. If we have a nation, let's say an electorate, that doesn't understand what we're talking about, the economic implications of policies and so forth, we would sit back and say, ah, we never understood that. We didn't know how to apply to us. Now we have another nation next door that understands fully the implications of the policies they are putting in place, that supports those policies that they are putting in place, and they take advantage of them. Automatically, they rise above others. I always like to give the examples of countries such as Singapore and China. They were not what they are now. You know, I was laughing, someone said, at a point, Japan <laughs> was literally colonizing China. Mm. <laughs> but now, they are not in the same stratosphere. Mm. <laughs> they are different. Mm. Why? Because there was a synthesizing of information and analyzing critique that says, no, we must do what works for us. Mm. And they pushed it. And now when we look at them, we marvel. But everything that they have done, we can still do. To know how an adult thinks is to realize what the child uh, read. Yes. Mm. Um, this, is, this, is, this is to connect with what the work that I'm doing, especially in early childhood development, to say that sometimes we look at an adult and we think that the issue started there at that age. You're looking at an employee, for example, as an employer, and you're saying, this person can't write simple letters. It didn't start there. It started as to what did the child read at ECD level? Now, that, that is the statement that is supposed to say, let us never ever underestimate the value of what is happening at early childhood development stages. When you find your child holding a book, try to help them. Because they will grow up to be an adult who can't read, mm -hmm. an adult who can synthesize information, mm -hmm. an adult who is working. Now, you can imagine now you are in an office with employees who can synthesize, analyze, and critique information. So, Mr. Mukhobe is not available in the office for that week or for that month dealing with various issues. Now, you're expecting the employees to be able to understand what needs to happen, what needs to carry forward. Mm -hmm. Now, they are failure of it to is common sense. It's common you, th sense. you think it's, you common, think it's common, common sense. But it's not so but common. It's not. Mm. But it didn't start there. Mm. It, it is a foundation. And so now we are trying to solve the results, what were the fruits, what we're seeing now, right, in the office. And we're trying to bring solutions that only affect here, not realizing that there's a foundation that we actually have to deal with. It's like a farmer 
You see that the, the fruit trees have not grown, then you say, ah, just cut down the tree. Mm. But you don't realize that there's a problem in the soil. The nutrition mm. of the soil is not okay. You know, let's work with the soil first before we start blaming the trees and say, mango trees don't grow here. Mm. You know, <laughs> so that is what that phrase is supposed to mean, mm. that there's a foundation, especially with early childhood, mm. that then leads to people becoming mm. relevant, important, mm. articulate, strong adults with strong literacy skills. Wow. This is a part of the show where you get to ask me any question you wish to ask me, sir. Yes. I think I, I've been thinking about this, that if I ever get the opportunity mm. <laughs> to, uh, to ask you a question, mm. my, I think the one question that I would ask is, when was, was there ever a time that you struggled with reading? And when you found yourself in that situation, what pushed you to say, I have got to learn how to do this or I've got to do this? Um, not particularly. I, I always seem to have loved uh, reading early. Mm -hmm. There was a book uh, called The Student Companion, which I fell in love with when I, when I was in primary school. Mm -hmm. So I used to like uh, reading and memorizing big words. For instance, I used to pride myself in knowing the two of the longest words in the English language. <laughs> One was, I don't know if I'll get this right, is supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. They have a movie in Hollywood <laughs> by that name. <laughs> mm -hmm. And the second longest word was anti-disestablishmentarianism. <laughs> and I used to like uh, talking those words. And I was obsessed with reading uh, James Hadley Chase mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, also reading a lot of... Uh, novels like that uh, you know Robert Ludlum comes mm. to mind and there were other other powerful authors so I've always been a devourer of information and I still do I mean like last year I had a um, I challenged myself to read one uh, biography or autobiography a week and I managed to push that for some months mm. so I still love reading mm -hmm. I've been giving uh, you know audio books a shot mm -hmm. but like I was mentioned to you earlier they're not as exciting as actual books so mm -hmm. I think I'll probably go to back to my <laughs> physical books wow. as well but I love reading and uh, it's something that I love to the point where I'm now encouraging my children and even bribing them ethically <laughs> to read because I, I, I everything you've said I'm 100% on board Wow, wow mm. that is amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, the mm. student's companion. It's, uh, it's also one of those that we grew up with. Mm. It had a lot of information mm -hmm. in it. It really had sources of information that mm -hmm. now, when you synthesize it, it works for you. I'm really excited, and I'm excited to hear you mm. say that you are now also bribing your children ethically mm, yeah. to be able to read. I love read. reading. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my sister got hold of uh, a, an encyclopedia called Encyclopedia Britannica. Britannica. And she paid through her nose, and those guys kept hounding after her because mm. she couldn't quite finish paying them off. <laughs> but I love that set. Mm. I still have it in my in my office today. Uh, this was long before the internet. I'm talking uh, 80s and 90s, uh, even 70s. You know, when I was little. So I, I always like digging to those encyclopedias, and uh, so. You really touched a, a soft spot for me in terms <laughs> of a real love. Reading is a real love for me. Oh, okay. Now, you can look at that camera. I think it's that. No, that yeah. one. Yes. And uh, give them a party message. Uh, maybe a summary of what we discussed. But more importantly, something inspirational, something powerful, something that they can take home. Almost definitely. Mm. Yes. Um, 
One of the most important things that we have got to appreciate in this life is the access to information that we have now. And as we have explained today here, is literacy is beyond reading and writing. It goes into your ability to bring together all this information, understand it, analyze it, see the loopholes and the shortcomings. Because all the knowledge in the world has not yet been captured within all sources of information. And there are things that you would be able to see within that information that can help you and many others go forward in life. And so I would want to encourage you that fall in love with reading, fall in love with writing, and don't stop there with whatever endeavor that you have. Get the necessary information. Look at it. What works for you? What is good for you? Analyze it. Throw away that which is not good for you. Fix, add on to that which you think is lacking so you can add to the body of knowledge in this life. And I guarantee you that the more that we do that, the more solutions begin to appear in our lives. And as entrepreneurs as well, the more we're able to see the gaps that exist in various industries for us not only to create new opportunities, but to also answer the problems of our nations. Our solutions to our national problems, our communal problems, our family problems lie within the scope of literacy. Let's get reading, writing, analyzing, synthesizing, and critiquing. Thank you very much. You've been a, a great guest, Mr. Tapiwa Anif Anifasi. 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 Thank you very much. You've done a great job. Pass my regards to your dad, who happens to be my <laughs> tenant, <laughs> an old tenant of mine. Yes. So uh, um, he happens to be a doctor as well. Now, can you let them know where they can reach you if they want to carry on with this conversation and take this thing further? Oh, most, most, most definitely. You can, you can reach for us on social media platforms. You can search for Spelling Bee Botswana. You'll find us on those particular platforms as well as uh, JCI Khabaroni. You would find us on those platforms. And personally, of course, uh, you'd find me at Brian Anifasi. That's Brian with a Y, B-R-Y-A-N. Anifasi on various social media platforms. You just search the name you find me there and we can take it forward. And I believe you should have no problems. Don't hesitate to contact me on 74317357. I would be available to sit down with you, discuss the intricacies of literacy, maybe even read a book or two together. Tell them about JCI. Where do they reach for JCI? Uh, for JCI as, as well, just JCI Habaroni. That is our Facebook page. You can get us on JCI Habaroni. Uh, or just JCI Botswana itself you would find all the links necessary to connect with us there. And even on the same number, you can get a hold of me, 74317357. We're definitely looking for members who are all about impact in this nation and taking this city in particular to the next level. And volunteers are always welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you very guest. much. Thank you. Cheers.